he has some of the, he has some fabulous quotes about acting that I just love and one of them was his definition of acting which is acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances I just love that um, because you know it's about it's about bringing yourself fully to the role and being truthful in that moment but in circumstances that you would otherwise never find yourself in and I just think that's actually a great analogy for turning up online as yourself. Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and I work with entrepreneurs, leaders, and speakers to make them excited about sharing their thoughts and ideas with an audience. The podcast allows me the privilege to speak with successful creatives, business owners, and thought leaders about the importance of creativity for their work and their life, as well as hearing about their unique journeys. I have been inspired, educated, and enthused by every person I've interviewed, and I hope you will be too. Enjoy. There we go. We are recording. Please do not swear, unless you really want to. I'll try not to. <laughs> you never know what moustache will say. Uh, hello, and welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. And my guest today is Frank Prendergast. Welcome, Frank. Thank you so um, much. You're more than welcome. You are a digital strategist and you yeah. work with your lovely wife, Marcy. And see, I was just double checking my notes there, but to, to rise above the blah. Yeah. So we tell, help people, tell us a little bit about that. So, we, yeah, we rise above the blah is kind of like our, our tagline because it's really it's all about, you know, becoming more becoming more visible and attracting the right clients to you. And so it's just yeah, it's about um, it's about really shining and really allowing yourself to come through in your marketing um we what we do i guess what we do really is we help people to define their personal brand uh align their online presence shine through their content and amplify their message so it's really it's about we kind of take a holistic view of, of your online presence basically and then help you to grow your business by becoming more visible and attracting the right clients Sounds perfect. Please help. <laughs> I need some help. So, so do you do that with individuals, or do you do that with bigger brands, or is it mm. is it mainly sort of the 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 go it alones? So that's yeah, that's a great question. And um, and actually, so right now on on my LinkedIn headline, so LinkedIn is like my my favorite social media platform at the moment. Right now, my, my headline says digital strategy for personal brands because we do love working with solopreneurs, a lot of service-based solopreneurs. However, we do, we do have companies as clients and we do take on certain companies. And we've been, we've been looking at that lately and we've been kind of going because we don't like working with big companies. And... I think for me, part of it is, well, part of it is that I, at one point I found myself in the kind of, um, in a startup company, nine to five with a boss, the partitions, everything. And I was like, this is not me. What, I, how did I, how did I get here? <laughs> I took a wrong turn somewhere. Um, and so part of it is just that I don't, I don't really like that environment. And part of it, I think is that I'm also, I tend to be a very immediate person and I love the immediacy of working with solopreneurs. So you can make a decision, you can implement, you can move fast. It's fantastic. 
However, there are some companies, some small companies that we work with. And I, and I think, you know, we've been analyzing it recently. And what it comes down to really is, is, first of all, if the company is small enough that we can have that immediacy, brilliant. And then secondly, what we do a lot of the time is we help small businesses who are um, either earlier on in the journey or maybe they're, maybe they're not earlier on in the journey, but they've always been kind of hiding behind their logo. And we help the owners and the and sometimes the staff, but a lot of the time it's the owners to just kind of step out from behind that logo. And so it's still it all comes back really to to building your personal brand, even if it's within a, a company environment. Yeah, I mean, how how easy is is that to get them to step out from behind their logo? Because obviously, personal branding is. I mean, it sounds very personal. So, what is it around personal branding? that that a company that is quite faceless generally can use to actually promote their brand i think you know for if i think what happens sometimes is small businesses look at massive companies and they try and emulate their marketing but those massive companies can afford to be uh, can well so there's two things one they can afford to be faceless because they have massive budgets and they can do multi-million dollar you know ad campaigns that that actually have an emotional impact because they're directed by incredible directors and all the rest of it um and the other thing is that there are a lot of massive brands as well like you know people often point to um steve jobs in the past or or elon musk now is another one at the moment and you know a lot there are a lot of massive brands that actually do use personal brands to um to, to put a face on their company but i think a lot of the time you know they look at these big smaller companies look at these big companies and try and emulate this kind of um logo faceless type of approach and when you're a smaller company, you you're missing out on that competitive advantage of actually allowing people to connect with the people behind the company, because it's, you know, it's just we distrust brands so much more now these days and actually allowing people in to see the people and to see the passion that's behind the business, the real the passion that the owners have for what they do. I mean, people really connect with that. So to not. Um, to hide that away just seems like a real shame to me, and and it's really kind of, it's really kind of saying, you know what, we don't want that competitive advantage. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the, the the whole personal brand thing is is literally th that kind of vulnerability almost. So, so what is what is the the advantage of of having a personal brand? Well, I think it's I think it is that that you attract you attract people. So it's, I think it's even much harder job attracting people to a logo or to, um, you know, to, to imagery that is not you, that is not authentic, that is not um, that, that passion for the business. If you step forward and allow people in and share with people what you're doing and basically invite them in, invite them in to, to, sh to share what it is you're passionate about, because your your potential customer if they are right for your business then in some way shape or form they're passionate about it too they may not realize it yet and then you know that's the job of of the marketing with your personal brand is to help them help them get to that passion help them realize how passionate they are about uh, about what it is you do and then so by sharing that you are you're attracting those like-minded people um 
And so I, th I think that's the huge benefit is that it's just much easier for a person to attract like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and obviously with what I do, with finding people's voices really and again it's about just trying to get them to step out behind from behind their logo and put mm. together some kind of a, a signature talk that actually sort of dives into those stories and that that personal side of their brand and the passion I, I think is is really important and that's what that's what comes out if you really kind of want to because everybody's running their business for a reason and generally that comes from a a, a place of of passion you know that's it's something that they've always wanted to do mm. so what was what's your passion in what you do why do why do you do what you do i think it goes back to what i was saying about finding myself in that nine to five and realizing hang on this this isn't this is wrong for me so i think a, a lot of the passion of what i do is helping other people who have also made that choice to make it work um I don't, you know, I don't encourage people to quit the nine to five and do their own thing. I do if they, I do if they, if they express um, a desire to do so, I'll encourage it. But I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you know, just quit the nine to five and start your own business. And um, because I do see, I do see a lot of people saying that. But I think, you know, there are people that the nine to five is right for, and there are people that entrepreneurship is right for. And so my passion is in helping the people who've already realized, yeah, the, you know, the nine to five isn't for me, having a boss isn't for me, I want to have my own business. And then my passion is helping them make a real success out of that. So how did you and Marcy come to be running this business together? What, what came first, the business or the, the marriage? Yeah, so the, uh, the marriage came first. Um, so what happened was... I was actually primarily, so I was doing digital marketing and web design, and I would have been, it would have been kind of primarily web design. And uh, when I met Marcy, Marcy was actually uh, chefing in the kitchen. And uh, we got together and um, Marcy was always being pulled in to do uh, writing and social media work for any business that she was working for. And at some point, I think it was mostly the unsociable hours of chefing. Marcy was like, uh, Marcy began searching for actually, what is it I really want to do? So in a way, Marcy became one of those people who was like, yeah, the nine to five and having a boss, maybe not for me. Um, and so Marcy started focusing more and more on her writing. And she moved from chefing to working in um, more food, still staying with food, but working in, in retail, a lot of cheese and wine. Um, but she then found, Marcy will say, tell you herself, she's very much an, an introvert and dealing with the public was, was not working for her either. And so somewhere along the way, I landed a, a website client um, who was a, uh, I can't remember which one came first, but I think it was a chocolate maker, a chocolate maker website. And I said to Marcy, you know, clients never come to me with content. And whenever I ask them about the content, because I had in the past tried to pair clients with copywriters and it had just never worked out. And they'd all, the clients were always saying, no, 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 we'll do it ourselves. We'll do it ourselves. They never did it. And then when they finally did it, like seven deadlines <laughs> past the date, uh, it just was never 
where it really needed to be for an effective website. So I said to Marcy, you know, this would be perfect. You could write knowledgeably about food. So you could write about this chocolate um, and I can do the design and it would be perfect. Um, now, I will say at this point, if you ask, if you ever have Marcy on your podcast and you ask her the story, she will tell you it was her idea. So there's some argument about who came up with this brilliant idea of us working together. But we did the we did the chocolate website and it was a huge success. It was just absolutely fantastic. It made my life so much easier. Marcy had a ball doing it. The client was thrilled. It was just fantastic. And so we then just organically just happened to get another client who was in the food business. It was um, a pizza maker. And uh, so then for a while, we so that was when we kind of started working together full time. And for a while, that's what we did. We did um, websites for food, websites and marketing for food businesses. Um, and then over time, um, I think actually what happened was I just realized that I found myself when people asked me what I did, I found myself saying things like um, I design websites and I act to keep myself sane. <laughs> and this just became this thing that that I was saying. And finally, I was like, wait, what am I saying? And like, it, if, if I'm acting to keep myself sane, are the websites driving me insane? And if they are, why am I why am I doing them? Uh, so we had actually developed this onboarding system for clients because another problem that we had identified was that clients came to us and they didn't have the fundamentals of their branding sorted out. And again, you really need that to, to develop an effective website. So we had begun doing that as part of our process. And we just looked at it and said, you know what? I'm not going to go into what, what I call the dungeon to build out the websites anymore. But we're going to focus on branding, messaging. And we still do um, website work, but we it's very rare now that we would take on a website project. However, what we do is we will say, you know, for example, we will look at somebody's offer page and very, very specifically take that page and um, optimize it for conversions and just really narrow, you know, narrowing the focus, narrowing the focus with really specific goals and working on something very specific within the website. Well, that's, that sounds like a, a very uh, worthwhile thing to do for, for lots of people. You know, I mean, there's lots of people out there designing websites, but to have somebody do that kind of work, I would imagine it's, it's invaluable. Yeah. But we are going to step back to yes. the acting for sanity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I know that you have an acting background, as do I. Uh so which came again? Which came first? It's I, I think I read when I was sort of having having a look into to what you do that you you were doing different things and then you kind of came across theatre and acting and a, a thing that I've always said about when I first stepped into the theatre as a as a profession I found my tribe mm. suddenly yeah. suddenly everything went oh this is where I'm meant to be is that was that the same for you? Yeah, so I, I, when I found myself in that nine to five situation, I had that kind of realization that no, I'm in the wrong place. And I quit what was a really, really good job. Um, and people, I think, thought I was nuts. <laughs> and I just kind of tipped away doing websites and digital marketing while I kind of explored, you know, what what is it that I'm meant to be doing? 
And it was actually my mom rang me one day. I thought I actually thought it might be music, and I was I was kind of exploring music a little bit. Um, and my mom rang me one day and said, "I know you're kind of looking around for what you might be interested in right now. There's a weekend course in uh, acting for screen, and uh, I I thought you should maybe have a look at it." My mom it was an acting teacher, a speech and drama mm-hmm. teacher, um, and an actress, um, and my sister. Uh, was an actress and my uh, younger sister also teaches speech and drama so it's definitely in the family but I had pretty much completely ignored it in fact I had you know I had kind of said I wanted no part of it um, and but it yeah my mom just rang me I think at that kind of right moment for me and I went to the workshop and I just loved it and somehow uh, I stumbled out of a weekend workshop and right into a role with a very well-known um, theatre company here. Uh, and from there, yeah, like you say, I kind of thought I have found my tribe. But what happened over time was that um, I realised when I was making this statement of, you know, I, I do digital marketing and websites and I act to keep myself sane. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, uh, Emmett O'Neill, and he said to me, you know, you're, you're good at a lot of things, but you've got to stop doing things like just because you can do them and you've got to start just doing the things that you love doing. And when he said it to me, I imme- my brain immediately kind of went, okay, so I need to be an actor. But the more I kind of thought about it and the more I tried to figure out what that would look like, the more I realized that that wasn't actually it. And I realized eventually that the the websites at the time I was still working on my own. I don't think Marcy was working with me at that point. And so the websites and digital marketing were completely on my own. And a lot of the time I would do a bit of work with the client. Then I would go off and build out the websites. And so it struck me that actually, you know, it was the interacting with people. That's what was keeping me sane. And so that's why when myself and Marcy, so this this was a long process. I'm making it sound like I figured all this out really quickly. It was a really long process. Um, and so it was, I was working with Marcy and we started to, to figure out how we could actually focus me more on working with people and less on going off on my own and having to, to build out a 30 page website or whatever it might be. Um, and so then I kind of um, I kind of found my tribe again, uh, particularly on LinkedIn with um, in in digital marketing and personal branding. And so now I have I have two tribes, <laughs> <laughs> two tribes go to war. <laughs> uh, d- d- yes, I you, you also have made the point um, that there is there is some kind of uh, connection or bridge from the acting world into the personal branding world Mm. and it's certainly something that I find with what I do now is that when I'm when I'm talking to business owners anybody that's got a message to share I am able to use all of my acting training to really help them find their personal brand find out who they are and be able to sort of share that with their audience and it, and I, I think the acting training is actually fundamental to you know everybody should have a certain amount of actors training whether it's the breath the improvisation the yeah. you know just 
just the confidence it gives you and the ability to collaborate with others and the ability to be creative. I mean, it's just so amazing. Don't, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll stop there. But I think you've, you've found a similar sort of thing with personal branding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of my, one of my favorite, when I was, when I was trying to figure out how to act, um, I was really, I was searching everywhere and I knew what performances I enjoyed watching, but I couldn't figure out like, how do they do that? And so the, um, the practitioner that I thankfully stumbled across, um, that really, really helped me start to figure that out was one of the all time great acting teachers, Sanford Meisner. Um, and he has some of the, he has some fabulous quotes about acting that I just love. And one of them was his definition of acting which is acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Perfect. Yeah. I just love that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it's about, it's about bringing yourself fully to the role and being truthful in that moment, but in circumstances that you would otherwise never find yourself in. And I just think that's actually a great analogy for turning up online as yourself, because like my generation these are tools that we're not actually used to. Um, I, I'm really interested, actually. I'd love to talk to some, you know, Gen Zers and see how they find it. And, you know, is it just completely natural to them? But for us, you sit down at a keyboard or you sit down in front of a camera and you freeze up. And it's like, well, how how do I actually, you know, so so to me, personal branding is living truthfully under digital circumstances yeah. in a way. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's also I think there's a kind of a similarity in terms of an actor when they're doing a role, they don't you don't sit down and watch a film and like watch somebody's entire life because it would <laughs> if it was in real time and it was you'd be sitting there forever. Um, yeah. And so it, you pick the moments, you pick the you pick the key things to put forward to tell the story in a film the actor then has to be completely truthful in that moment. And it's very similar when you're doing your, your, your personal branding work. It has to be authentic, but it's not. That doesn't mean it's 100% of you or everything that crosses your mind or your entire life. You can be selective um, so that people get a picture of you. It's truthful. It's inviting. It's real. But it's not invading your privacy or it's not putting everything out there unless you know unless someone is completely comfortable with that i have nothing against it if they are but i wouldn't be comfortable putting myself out there 100 and so i i look at amplifying the relevant attributes to build a personal brand that is authentic yeah that's perfect that that is exactly exactly what i <laughs> tried to put across and i love that analogy there of the film and the fact that obviously if you were filming somebody's life that you only take you only take the relevant moments and i i always say to people people don't need to hear your whole life story warts and all this is not about you know you know getting sympathy or saying look at how fantastic i am this is looking at the audience as they are watching a film and picking out those bits that are relevant to them, that then help and validate them as an audience and benefit them in some way. So I think that's that really is the crux of it. But it's that whole thing about telling the truth. I used to be an actor because I used to teach acting for many, many years. And I'd be with, with students and say to them, you know, you, you need to be 
telling the truth. And they just, they, it took a while for that penny to drop. Is yeah. the fact that you, that you, as an actor, you're not a good liar, which I used to get people used to say to them, oh, you're an actor, you yeah. must be really good at lying. It's like, yeah. no, you have to be really good at telling the truth. And if you can't find the, the truthfulness in the character you're playing, then obviously, for me, it was it was a, an actor once saying to me when I was a dresser many many years ago, saying to me that if if uh, if you don't believe what you're doing, then the audience won't believe it either. And it yeah. is that that moment of of recognition for me that actually this is not about the audience looking at me playing a character. This is the audience looking at me being that character. And I think it's it is relevant exactly as you're saying with the personal branding is that somehow we we need to find the truth of who it is and what we do and why we do it and portray that you know put put that across is that you're not playing at being somebody you think you should be, but you are being the person that is is you know at the center of who you are and and all of your values. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So do you still act? You're still doing it for keeping I you do. sane? I do still act, but it's really interesting because it's not to keep me sane anymore. So I have got a huge amount of kind of balance back in my life. And it's actually lovely because acting is a tough game. And I realized that actually I wasn't, I'm not that into theater. Um, and so screen acting is what I love. And screen acting is, you know, massively competitive. I live in Ireland. It's a tiny market. So there isn't a huge, you know, a huge amount of work. And I, so I am now, it's, it's fantastic because I'm now in a much more kind of like Zen state because I'm not chasing roles. I'm not, um, I'm not looking to be, uh, you know, a big screen actor. I can now work with people who I know, like, and trust on projects that I know I'm going to enjoy. Um, because to be honest, you know, where, where I'm at, so I've been in, I've been in things like Vikings, Penny Dreadful, um, I've been in, um, Red Rock, which I think I, it, it was, um, an Irish, uh, crime drama, but I think it showed in, I think it aired in the UK as well. Um, so I've been, you know, I've been in relatively big things, but always with like a tiny role and you never know when you're at that level you're not important enough to be kind of really brought into the fold. You're dropped into a production that yeah. could have been going on for years and you're dropped in for like one day, two days, you know, and it might be fabulous. It might be brilliant. I've had some absolutely wonderful experiences and I've had some absolute nightmares that were like the stuff of extras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I love now being in a place where I'm not, I don't feel like I'm chasing that. I can just act to enjoy myself and act with people that I love working with. Oh, yes. I wish I was in that position. Unfortunately, Hordle, where I live, there's, it's, yeah, it's probably even smaller than Cork, really. It's just, right. Yeah, there's not a lot going on down here. But I, fi I find now that I've kind of, I feel like I'm a, direct, a director, and that's really what I always should have been. I mean, I loved acting, um, but yeah, the director is, is kind of where I'm most comfortable, and it's kind of what I do with people now is I, I'm that overseer, so I kind of look, look at things from all angles and sort of get them to that point where they, they are the actor, I'm the director. So that's, that's right. what I love. But I have to say, you've played a couple of the, the fun, you know, great Irish literature, literary heroes. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing, I've just finished um, 
uh, an English literature creative writing degree, and Playboy of the Western World was one of the one of the plays that I had to read for that, and I'd never read it before. So yeah, that was quite an interesting piece. But also, yeah. you played Joyce, James Joyce. Yeah. yeah. So how how was that to actually be an Irishman and portraying such literary characters? It's yeah, it was fun. I mean, so the James Joyce thing that was great fun because it was um it was a feature so it was a an indie feature really a very very arty film um but wonderful and i was uh, acting opposite louis lovett who is um, an absolute genius and uh, i was playing james joyce and his kind of imaginary alter ego shem the penman and so as James Joyce, it, there was these lovely kind of very serious moments. And then as Shem the Penman, there were these, it, he was almost a kind of a Chaplin-esque character. And uh, yeah, it was funny because when the when the film was shown in the Galway Film Flow, which is a big film festival here, we were brought up on stage for Q&A and I was asked, you know, was it difficult to portray somebody so famous um, and I said, I, I actually found portraying James Joyce absolutely fine. I found Shem the Penman a real challenge because he was this Chaplin-esque type. And I knew, you know, I knew very little about slapstick. But thankfully, Louis Lovett is an absolute genius at that at slapstick and at that type of uh, physical comedy. So he he led the way. And I just kind of I was able to just kind of fall in under Louis and uh, follow his lead. And so I was just really, really lucky that I had somebody there to kind of take me through that process. And obviously the director as well, Podrick Trahey, um, who is who is a massive like I don't don't know anyone who knows like that much about film. So, yeah, just being being supported like that. It was it was an absolute joy. And then, you know, Sing was Sing was a tiny little part. But again, I, I did this like huge. It's it's really interesting. You know, like I was saying, it, it, when I'm when I'm acting, the bigger the kind of production, the smaller the role I'm going to get because I'm I'm not known. Um, and what's really interesting is that what's really interesting to me is that truthfulness that we spoke about. So you can have one line in something and you can watch it back and you can be horrendously unhappy with it i can i can be horrendously unhappy with myself because i will see i didn't get that i didn't get that right even if it's one line even if it's one word when i was playing sing i did this huge amount of research i mean massive amount of research for this like one line <laughs> in fact was it even one line it might have even been a look i can't remember <laughs> but i'm so happy with it i'm so happy with it because all that research all of the work i did it all allowed me to do that tiny little moment with great truth <laughs> yeah i do you know i love it i love a bit of research and i think that's what i loved about acting more than anything else was really delving into the human condition and finding out what is what what motivates people and, you know, again, that's something that comes into what I do now. And I'm sure it's, it's, it's the same with you. But it is, there's just something so interesting about people. And you can tell the actors that have done that kind of work because they really inhabit that person. Yeah. They don't, you know, it's not, it's not surface. They're not just saying the lines. They mm. actually know why they're saying those lines. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break. And we'll be back very soon after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and master of verbal communication, Andrew Thorpe.
We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. Why they're saying those lines. Yeah, and actually, you've just reminded me of something else that I think is is really, really interesting. And it's that I, so I started working with an, an acting coach called Tom Kibbe, and he himself actually worked with Sanford Meisner. Um, and he also studied under uh, Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg. So three of the wow. all time greats. And he has developed his own methods now. But a lot of what he does is activating the creative imagination. So a lot of a lot of my preparation nowadays, so obviously for someone like Singh, you have to do the research because it's a real person. But a lot of my work is just, it's almost like daydreaming. So you are you are imagining the entire world of the character. And what's interesting is that we actually, we actually use the same type of technique because what happens is as an actor, you're building empathy for this for these imaginaries, for this character in these imaginary circumstances. So that if you have to walk on stage or in front of the camera and deliver something, say, about um, maybe losing a loved one or something like that, you have done all of this imaginary, all of this daydreaming, all of this imagination work where you've imagined all of the circumstances, your relationship with that person that you've lost. You may have imagined the tragic circumstances in which you lost them. You may have imagined the funeral. You may have imagined the aftermath. And so when you're saying those words, they're, they're informed by all of that work. And it's all about building empathy. And so when we're helping someone build their personal brand, we actually do a huge amount of work on their dream client. And we've had so many people say like, oh, you know, they're expecting kind of quick demographics and a few lines about, you know, what they have for breakfast. And here we are diving in really deep with them and getting them to imagine all kinds of like crazy details. And what we always say to them then at the end is that your work isn't done when you've defined this dream client. Now you have to spend a bit of time with them. You have to daydream about them. When you're doing the, when you're doing the washing up at home, start daydreaming about this dream client. Imagine how their their day is going. Imagine how they interact. Imagine what they do. With their, you know, and again, it's all about building empathy. It's also that in your marketing, you're speaking directly to this person and with great empathy. Um, so again, massive, like just, I keep finding the oddest correlations between yeah. the branding work and the acting work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. There is, there, there is so much there and it's, is that thing that the, um, the brain doesn't know the difference between what's imagined and what's real. Yeah. And I've always had a bit of a, which is, you know, considering I'm an actor, it is that it, having slight issues with trying to visualize, you know, when, when people say, well, just visualize this or just, you know, just visualize this and you can manifest it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's really just getting into the to the head of 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 who it is that you really want to be working with, because your brain doesn't really know the difference between that. Yeah, exactly. You 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 can you you can really you can basically kind of trick your brain into believing this person is real, so that you can speak to them with with that great empathy. Yeah, and with with that confidence that you know yeah. them and you know where they've come from and who they are. 
yeah yeah um so is that how because you've got this sort of uh, brand fire starter that you do which is a six-week kind of is it is it one-on-one coaching that you do yeah so the personal brand fire starter is is slightly different again and that is i mean essentially what the personal brand fire starter is really content coaching and it's helping you to shine through your content and we do a little bit i do a little bit of work on personal brand um in that but it's you know obviously it's very short and it's very focused on content so i just do a little bit i help some i help people craft a very simple personal brand statement just to guide us in the content so we don't do like the deep dive into the personal brand definition on the fire starter we focus very much on um creating content on linkedin that is going to build your personal brand is going to allow you to shine through your content and attract the right people to your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. And LinkedIn is, is the place that, that people can find you mainly. Is that where you do most of your, most of your work and most of your connections? Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely love LinkedIn. Um, we, I mean, we always say to people, you know, you have to go where your, your dream clients are. Um, and a lot of our dream clients are on LinkedIn. It also just suits us um, because myself and Marcy are both, um, we're we're writers when like when it comes to our marketing materials we're writers we we originally focused on facebook and for a long time i loved facebook but facebook just you know it became harder and harder to organically reach your audience on facebook so we thought well maybe we'll like so many people maybe we'll hop over to instagram um, and we did for a little while and then we, we did it just at the wrong moment because Instagram decided that they were going to focus very much on video. Um, and so we were still poking around and we thought we would return to LinkedIn. This is a couple of years ago. thought we'd return to LinkedIn and have a look at how LinkedIn was doing because I used to hate LinkedIn with a passion. I couldn't, I just couldn't deal with it. Um, but I hadn't kind of returned to it for years. So I was really surprised to come back to it and find that it was a completely different place. And that, you know, a simple text post can do just as well as a video or an image or, and so it just made perfect sense for us. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I was never a a big fan of LinkedIn until I started connecting with people. And then I think once your connections build and once that network builds, then you've, you know, you, you kind of build a community. I feel like I've got a community on LinkedIn now that I can kind of converse with and, and that will support the posts that I put out. And I think that's, that's where you need to get to, isn't it, is to find that sort of community. Yeah. And I just find there's real, there's real depth to the conversations. I mean, if obviously, as you say, if you, if you, if you purposefully build your network, there's real depth to the conversations. Like we find, it, you know, people say Instagram is great for engagement, and it is. You know, if you if you just look at number of likes and and maybe number of comments, but we find on, on Instagram that the engagement level tends to be quite shallow. And then we used we used to find Facebook was a bit more like LinkedIn, but the engagements there. Well, I think the reach there basically just started to drop off, and therefore the depth of conversations also started to drop off. Um, so for me, yeah, the place that I can have the um, the most wonderful in-depth conversations about things is LinkedIn. Yeah, well, I mean, talking about community, we we met through the You Are the Media community when Mark Schaefer came over from the States. And, and Mark is is 
sort of a bit of a legend in the in the marketing world. Obviously, I'm not from that world originally, so I didn't particularly know who it was until I started sort of mixing with that community. Right. But you, you've got quite a, a, a great relationship now with with Mark and and what he's doing with the Rise Coin and all of this kind of Web three NFT kind of you know metaverse kind of stuff, which is goes way over my head. So how did that connection? start and and how involved are you with that with that now yeah so again and again that's all thanks to linkedin because um i mean i so myself and marcy traveled over for that event um from ireland to, yeah. to the you are the media event and one of the reasons we did that was just it seemed just absolutely custom made for us because the way that it all transpired was i connected with john Aspirian some time ago um and john Aspirian is just a wonderful helpful um personality um, and he started his community espresso plus and so when he started it it was an absolute no-brainer for me to join so i joined espresso plus um got involved in the community there and then it was through that community that john said oh um mark schaefer someone who John greatly admires. Um, he said that Mark Schaefer had another community called the Rise Community, and it was centered around the Rise coin, which is, it, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a token, which is a, it's basically part of the, the kind of cryptocurrency family. Um, but they call it a, a creator coin. So it's not, um, it's not one of these investment things. It's not about making money. It's about uh, how you can, use cryptocurrency and web3 technologies it's the utility of them and how we can use them as creators so for example mark schaefer will give you a certain amount of rise coin and then when you have that rise coin you can uh, go on discord which is a, a community uh, discussion application discord can check that you hold rise coin and allow you into the community so it's just about the functionality, about the utility. Um, and then if you if you have a certain amount, if you if you build up a certain amount more of the rise coin, you get access to more rooms within the, the community. You get uh, access to VIP channels, which gives you access to webinars, things like that. Um, and then somewhere along the way, um, I also then uh, joined, you know, started to join in with the UR the media community. So when the event was announced uh, in Poole in Bournemouth, it was like this perfect Venn diagram of the three best communities that I was involved in. So myself and Marcy were like, well, we just, we have to go. We, we absolutely just have to go and meet these people in real life from these three different communities. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. The Web3 stuff, I, yeah, the, the Rise community is very focused on exploring the Web3 stuff. It is all very new to me as well. I had kind of poked around a little bit before, but I had found it quite intimidating, very, um, you know, there was a lot of, obviously with cryptocurrency, there's an awful lot of like financial stuff and a lot of what I call kind of crypto bro hustle nonsense. And so I'd been looking for a much more kind of sane approach to looking at, well, what does this, what does the, what do these technologies mean for the future of marketing? Um, and that's exactly how I would describe the Rise community. It's a sane uh, it's a sane approach looking at these technologies with like-minded people. Um, and yeah, absolutely fabulous. And, and what have you discovered so far then? So, so what is what is the benefit? 
So um, we recently, I, I helped organize um, a meetup in the metaverse. So this is just, I think, a really good example of just exploring, you know, what the future of marketing might be or what the opportunities might be. And we, uh, we what happened was in the, the VIP channel had a talk by Mitch Jackson on uh, Spatial, which is an app that is a metaverse environment. So we're talking virtual reality. Um, and Mitch was talking a lot about how he was using it to uh, pitch for new business and having great success with it. And he was also talking about how he was using it to do things like um, he could get 3D models made of things that would allow expert witnesses. So Mitch is a, is a, um, a solicitor or a, a lawyer. Um, and he could get expert witnesses to examine 3D objects in the metaverse much faster, like before he could get them the actual object. Um, so amazing kind of utilization like that. So then the community decided after that talk, well, we should explore this. We should have a look at it. Um, and we signed up for Spatial. Uh, Mark Schaefer organized a, a space for the community. We hopped in. Mitch showed us around. Uh, some community members um, organized some meetups for us. And we just looked at what it was like in there, basically. Um, I actually bought a I bought a, a, a virtual reality headset to go into the, the the spaces in. You can access the spaces through a computer or even a smartphone, um, but the headset experience is absolutely incredible. And I think you know that's where the real future of it is. So we or we the next thing we did was we organized an event in there, and I helped organize the event where we had um, three speakers just giving five minute uh, talks, and we moved from space to space and uh, listened to each speaker's talk and had a Q and A at the end. And it's really really fascinating. I think obviously you know so a lot more people will need to have headsets before it'll become any kind of a, a real opportunity for people. However, you know, I can already see that we have a client in the wellness space who sometimes holds events that that uh, there are a certain amount of people that don't feel comfortable going to the event because they feel it's quite exposing to be seen to go to the event. And so I can see massive opportunity for things like that for the metaverse because it's a great leveler. You don't need to, you know, you're not showing up, you're, as in you're, you're showing up as a 3D avatar. Um, so there's a level of, you know, safeness. Um, you're doing it from your home, but you're not, you're not, you know, even on Zoom, like, you know, this is my, this is my home behind me here. If you, if you're not comfortable showing up on camera, or if you're not comfortable kind of inviting people into your home like this, the metaverse is a really, really, it just opens up all kinds of possibilities. And also not to mention the fact that, you know, until you experience the the virtual reality headset it's it's hard to describe but when you're on zoom you kind of you're you know you're observing something you're um you're partaking in something but when you have the headset in the metaverse you are you actually feel like you've been somewhere else you actually feel like you've had an experience so i have i have some memories from our meetups that feel like real memories, not things I observed or not things that that I just saw, but things that I actually experienced with those people. It's it's quite bizarre. Um, what are the what are the 
short-term opportunities, I'm not sure. I think I think you know for people like Mitch, if you're pitching, so what Mitch does, I think, is he will actually send someone a headset so that they can join him uh, in a virtual conference room, uh, and then he can he can do a pitch in these incredible spaces with these incredible vistas, and um, so it's fascinating. Is there an opportunity for the clients that I work with right now? I'm not sure, but the rate of acceleration is so fast that I think it's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, and that's only one aspect that I've spent far too long talking about, but then you have, you know, there's the, I've been exploring um, artificial intelligence image generators. I really want to do a deeper dive into what, what the other artificial intelligence tools are that are out there. Um, I am really interested in how you know Mark's community uses the Creator Coin to allow people access to to different things. So yeah, there's a, a lot of really interesting stuff and explored in a very very easy to um, digest way. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, my head's about to explode to be honest. <laughs> um, I I have been to a networking meeting in the metaverse. I wasn't I wasn't wearing the headset, um, but it was extremely strange and took a while to kind of get used to it. Sort of playing pool in the metaverse was really, really bizarre. Right. Uh, but I have, I've had a go with the headsets and it is completely immersive and you do feel yeah. like you are somewhere else. So that, but that was a bit more, that, you know, that was a, uh, my nephew's set at Christmas. So it was sort of right. a very sort of fantastic, kind of place to be whereas imagining that placing you somewhere like a, a conference room or a hall or you know in, in, that might be quite different but moving on to the AI because I know you started out as an artist too and obviously you are an artist you, as just one of your many many hats but the, the whole kind of AI thing around art and digital art mm. and nfts and and all of that what what's that all about <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh the the friend that i actually mentioned him earlier emmett o'neill he's he's the the ceo of story toys and he sent me some images one day that he was creating using this artificial intelligence image gener generator called midjourney and they were things he sent me some things like um uh, civil war era batman and the artificial intelligence image generator had come up with this fantastic image of, of what Batman might have looked like in the Civil War era in America. Amazing. And he's, you know, he just said, have you come across this, this tool, Midjourney? And I, I hadn't heard of it. And so he sent me an invite. I think, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's just open now. At the time it was, it was invite only. So I started to play around with it. And I mean, look, I think everyone finds it fascinating. But I think one of the reasons that I loved it so much immediately was, remember again, just harking back to earlier when I was saying that I love, I love that immediacy. I love the immediacy of working with solopreneurs where we can make decisions, we can take action, we can just do it. It doesn't have to go through a board. It doesn't have to, you know. And I think one of the reasons I never found my medium as an artist was because I love that immediacy. So I, tried photography and I, I I actually again it's another I suppose uh, proving the point I love digital photography now I tried photography in college and I loved it but I I really did not enjoy spending all that time in the dark room and mixing the chemicals and going from this bath into the next bath and all those processes to me it was like no oh, this is taking too long <laughs> 
printing, you know, um, screen printing, having to, you know, all again, all the processes involved. And so in the end, what I loved doing artistically was like really fast and loose scribbles, really fast and loose cartoons. But I, I just never really found a way to to make them a thing. Um, and so I think that one of the reasons that I am fascinated with artificial intelligence image generators is because it's so immediate. I can give it a text prompt prompt for what I'm looking for and get this incredible artistic result back immediately um, or, you know, in minutes. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I was I was playing with it, first of all, um, and I used up my free credits in no time. So I, I switched to a paid plan, went, flew through those credits as well. So I had to go up another tier. <laughs> and at some point I was like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time in here and I'm spending a bit of money in here. What, how, how can this actually be useful? And so I started to look at how I could actually use it. And I was, I had committed to writing um, a blog post, one blog post per month. And what I was finding was, um, you know, I write about things like personal branding and defining your strengths. And it's like, there isn't really stock photography that is good for, for those types of kind of abstract concepts. And even if you do find something, um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be expensive um, or it can show up everywhere. You know, you can see the same image on a hundred other blog posts. And so because I have a design and an, and, and an art background, I had started to create images for my own blog posts, but I was doing one image for, you know, for the header. And that was taking me, that was taking me far too long, even just for that one image. And then I still had, you know, a thousand words, which was coming across as a big block of text because I had no further imagery to support it. So I just thought, okay, well, what, this is the perfect solution. Uh, the, the artificial intelligence image gener generator is the perfect solution here. So I just started to explore how I could quickly and easily create multiple images for blog posts and then uh, and then just use another tool to very quickly put some brand colors on them so that there's a uniformity throughout my blog posts and throughout my content. Um, and so that's kind of how I, that's how I justified all that time and money spent <laughs> playing around with uh, artificial intelligence image generators. So, and I've, I've written all that up as well. So if anyone is interested in how to do that, uh, because I know it's a common problem, uh, finding imagery for, for long form content as a solopreneur or a small business. Uh, and that was published on uh, Mark Schaefer's blog. Oh, yeah. I will go find that. I will go find mm. that because it does. I find that fascinating, and that's that would that would be great. So, so you literally you tell the app your title, or you just give it some 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 words, and yeah. then how how do you add how do you add your brand colors? I know obviously you've written all this down, but just very very quickly. Yeah, so you you give it a text prompt, and there I I, I tend to do two things. I'll give it a simple text prompt, and I'll give it a really so I might, I might, um, if, I might take a sentence about. So I might take my heading, for example, if I'm looking for um, for an image for a particular section, I might take the whole heading for that section and pop that in, um, and then I'll also maybe distill it down to a really simple prompt, uh, which might be just the, the the one key phrase in that heading. I'll give it those two prompts and I'll see what comes back from both, and then I'll I'll tweak a little bit. So. Uh, Often I'll just get something that is perfectly usable immediately. And if I don't, I might simplify the complex one or I might 
add words to the simple one whichever one was originally closer i'll work on that one and you can kind of work it up uh, and then to put them in your brand colors i so uh, i mean i have i have photoshop so i use that but in the uh, in the write up i use a free tool called pixlr so that anybody can have access to it and you just it's very simple you just add a layer you bring it into the tool you add a layer on top of it you put a you put one of your solid brand colors in that layer and then you just change the um you change the layer properties so that your brand colors so that the image shines through your brand colors right. um yeah works works brilliantly amazing absolutely amazing and do you find do you feel that that's that satisfies your creative urges doing it that way you don't feel like you're cheating i i actually don't um i think that the i mean i wouldn't say it satisfies my creative urges but it but i don't feel like it's cheating because just the 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 human input of the of the text prompts the the getting the text prompt right the curating because what will happen the the image generator will give you four options and then you work you you decide which option you want so there's quite a lot of curation that goes on as well so um and i just think yeah the the time the time save for me is 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 just absolutely fantastic um would i would i love to have the time to spend doing the images myself you know i actually don't think so because again it's the process. If I could, if I could get to a point where I could scribble down really quick images for each post, then I would probably enjoy doing that. But I've never, I haven't perfected, and I have tried, but I haven't perfected the art of doing quick scribbles that I'm then happy, happy to really? represent my brand. Yeah, 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 I know the, I know the feeling. Um, I have to ask then. The, in, I, I had a quick look at your Instagram, and there's some lovely little cartoons of you and Marcy. Did you do those? I did, but again, I, I thought I might make a regular thing of that. But again, I just found they took they took too long, um, so I I stopped. Um, I might do I might do one occasionally on a special occasion, but uh, yeah, as a regular thing, they just ended up taking too long. Oh, they are great though. They look they look I, just like you. They're fabulous, <laughs> especially with the moustache. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you are now known quite quite widely for the moustache. In fact, I, I picked out a, an image for those of you that are yeah. watching this. This is Frank and his moustache. <laughs> it's it's even on his banner there. Look, rise above the blah. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, your your, your moustache talks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So again, just going back to I suppose building your your personal brand and amplifying the relevant attributes. Uh, mustache may not be a, a relevant attribute as such, but it is something that I just noticed people would remark on. And so, if that makes you know, if you if you amplify the things that people are already remembering you for, you were just you're just making yourself more and more memorable. So I started to have a little bit of fun with mustache and. Uh, I, I, I wrote a post one day and moustache turned up, uh, giving out to me in the post. And from there, it kind of, uh, moustache clearly decided that it was going to take a more, a more central role and moustache will pop up. Moustache is a lot more, um, belligerent than I am. And he takes a lot more kind of, um, he's a bit, he's a bit more, um, He's not. He's not afraid to 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 give out about things and uh, and and take on 
to be honest, actually, sometimes Mustache is much more of a shouty marketer than I would be. So we get into discussions around the nature of marketing and what's um, what's ethical and what isn't and what's, yes. um, what's acceptable and what isn't. And I think these are things that I might personally shy away from discussing because I like my LinkedIn presence to be more supportive and to be more positive. But they are they are important things to discuss as well. So so I'm kind of grateful to Mustache for bringing them up so that we can have the discussion and uh, and at the same time have it in such a way that um, I can be the more I can be the more I can be the voice of reason and Mustache can be the belligerent one. <laughs> yes, it sounds like a perfect relationship. It sounds a bit like um, Joyce and, and Shem. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much. I can't believe we've been talking for so long. But it, it, what are you up to next? What What can you tell us about that you that you, that's up and coming before we finish? Oh, good question. Well, I'm uh, I'm currently uh, putting the finishing touches on a digital product that will help people define their personal brand. So it'll be something that you can just uh, something that you can just purchase work through the videos, define your personal brand and end up with a what I call a per the personal brand cheat sheet. So uh, it's all done in Google Sheets. And when you're finished, the first cheat in, in Google Sheets is like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a visual cheat sheet of your personal brand that is really easy to just go back, refer to, um, and it keeps you keeps you on track. So I'm looking forward to finishing that um, as soon as I can find the time. And uh, I think that's something that's going to be uh, really useful for people. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I've got your uh, your website here for those that are are watching, which is frankandmarcy.com. So that's that's the place that that people can go to find out about the personal branding. Uh, exactly. And. And I would just encourage everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd I'd love to. Uh, that's where I that's where I love having chats and and meeting people and uh, and building my network. Yeah, brilliant. And I don't know if you mind me showing this one, which is if people want to go and see more of the acting stuff that you've done and have a look yeah. at showreel and and all of that and and hire you as a as an actor. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you go, Frank Prendergast.ie. Fabulous. Oh, thank you so much for your time today, Frank. It's been a, a, a brilliant talking to you. Thank you. I've, yeah, I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. So thank you so much. And I'll chat You're to welcome. You soon. You're welcome. I hope to see you and Marcy back over this side of the... I hope so. Yeah, very, very soon. So take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember, if you, like all of us, are in the persuasion business and need inspiration or tips on the art of verbal communication, then tune in to Leaning Forward with our friend Andrew Thorpe. Find Leaning Forward on your favourite podcast platform. Bye for now.